hello. My name is uh, Q-Dragon, I guess. I guess I should go by my actual name, since it is out there. I think you said it last week, too. Yeah. Well, I'm Quinn, or Q-Dragon, on YouTube. Uh, and I'm joined today by... I'm Logan from uh, the Flavor Lab channel on YouTube. <laughs> and this is the podcast we're probably going to call Brainstorm Kitchen. Uh, yeah, I think since... it's... Yeah. <laughs> We have we're we're recording a few of these ahead of time, so who knows what the name will end up being. <laughs> I like this. It's a mystery. <laughs> it's a it's a mystery even to us. Yes, yes, they're the best kind. So um, today we thought we would kind of talk about sort of food trends, and then maybe if we get feedback from the audience. We could sort of respond to them in a future episode also. Yes, this is also a very good idea. But uh, the, so the thing is about these food trends is that I'm kind of ob uh, you know oblivious to these ideas. So um, actually, Quinn is going to explain them to me, which might also be pretty funny. So uh, and kind of, I really I have no idea some of the terminology. I'm sure maybe we can figure it out. But um, yeah, so I guess if well again, I'm certainly no expert i just have a lot of free time so i watch a lot of youtube and netflix about food it's a good idea <laughs> it's a good way to get hungry i guess it's probably the biggest trend sort of recently is the idea of eating locally so in terms of i guess there's a balance between what things do you personally like to eat locally, and what things would you rather be imported, both yeah. in your own cooking, or if you were to go to, like, a nicer restaurant? Yeah. Uh, so I think this one is a little... This one, yeah, I think we... I, so, as for those who don't know, I'm currently living in Germany right now. And this actually, this country really has that kind of mentality at its core. Uh, so basically, a lot of people here really try to eat as locally as possible. So a lot of the um, the food and stuff, the milk, the eggs, the um, the basic general stuff that you can um, get, like vegetables and stuff, they really try to get from uh, here. But there's some things like pineapples, for example, you just can't grow in Germany. So for that kind of stuff, you need to uh, import it. Now, personally, I... I don't know. It's kind of a tricky subject as well. I think I, I'm not really too familiar with. Maybe you know more about this, Quinn, about the um, North Pacific um, salmon, and kind of the idea of maybe it's worse to actually have local salmon. I'm not sure, just because of it possibly hurting the local population of salmon. I'm actually really not familiar with this. I don't know why I'm bringing this up. <laughs> it's way beyond my range. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not super familiar, but I know that. There are cases where if you do certain fish, they can be farmed very well. Okay. And then that obviously doesn't impact the ocean ecosystem because you're not okay. removing stuff for from the ocean. Again, I'm not super knowledgeable about that particular subject. But well, I, I guess I think, yeah. a you good can still get locally farmed stuff, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But I guess a good question would be, if 
you were going to a nicer restaurant, or even in a fantasy world, let's say you have a restaurant, would you rather... Would you rather... As a, we, we should play food-themed Would You Rather as a future oh, concept. No, All right, anyway, a but, <laughs> but a serious question. Would you rather in a restaurant the chef try to use like 95% local food and then adapt where he's missing, he or she is missing ingredients or would you rather them just import what they can't get? I I think I would definitely go with the former but I mean it's kind of, I don't know, I feel like it's a I, this In this case, I feel like it's really cool because if you have a, a, a chef and you have a really good chef that knows what they're doing and knows the actual local area, it makes it so much cooler. Let's say, for example, if I go visit um, a place in you know Eastern Europe and they have completely different, um, you know, they have standard food, but they do have completely different vegetables that grow naturally. They have completely different funguses and mushrooms that grow naturally. Um, and if they really know what they're doing and they can somehow make something for me that I've never had before and maybe never otherwise would, I think that's a pretty cool concept. Now, if I was in an area where, you know, there wasn't actually much, which there are some places, I guess, um, then I guess you really do have to import. For example, you know, not much grows in the deserts of Las Vegas. There, there's actually, there's a lot of de amazing desert fruits and stuff, let me say this, but, you know, you're not going to be able to maybe create a whole meal um, from the stuff around uh, Las Vegas. So for there, it kind of makes sense. They have to import and bring in fish from other parts of the world. But uh, but yeah, I think if in an ideal world, in my fantasy restaurant, I would totally love to try local stuff, especially if I'm traveling. How do you feel about that? Uh, again, I think there has to be a balance. I think it's interesting when a chef can do mostly local but I also think again I think it is kind of a gimmick if that's the only thing your restaurant's about yeah I can see that as well I mean so for, for you is it like if somebody makes a dish right and like the main star ingredient of this dish is well known and then it's replaced with something that's more local would you still consider it something like this so for example Let's say there's a part place in south southern France, and they have like you know uh, instead of having cocova um, with chicken, they replace the chicken with some uh, mushroom that grows that tastes similar to chicken. Is this uh, you know is this still cocova <laughs> to yeah, you? Yeah, I mean that kind of thing. I would say is a gimmick, but again, I, I guess the point is again, obviously environmentally, you know culturally or socially generally local is better but if you were yeah. looking at a restaurant or if you're trying to make a really impressive meal for yourself or your friends something local isn't necessarily going to be the best in terms of objective quality of the ingredient fair enough I mean I could see that Okay, I mean, for, okay for, yeah. <laughs> for a lot of, like, produce and meat, local is generally better, 
because again it just doesn't have to travel and there's, there's always going to be a loss of quality the more time an ingredient is sitting yeah or yeah exactly but like for oh. something like if you're making Italian food do you use local tomatoes or do you buy San Rosano tomatoes that's actually kind of a good point actually <laughs> that's a I like this uh, I like this 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 thought here I don't know I mean yeah I I'd have to think about this maybe a little bit more I mean I might have jumped the gun I mean so okay with the local thing I would say that for sure if I'm traveling somewhere and they have some amazing tomato that I've never tasted before and never would eat otherwise definitely go for that but if you just if your tomatoes are just you know the only thing special about them is that they're from the region that you're in then I don't know then it does kind of seem a little bit like a gimmick and that, uh, yeah again in my in my head a lot of this context is Italian food but you could apply this to any cuisine <laughs> yeah, but again that's for sure. if you're making um at certain pasta dishes do you find a decent local cheese or do you buy Parmigiano Reggiano? I I would say that if I was running a restaurant in a situation, and maybe if I was the chef, I would kind of take the pulse of the people. I mean, if you know that you have some local cheese that's you know similar, or maybe it does, it's not similar, but it's good enough to stand on its own as a separate type of cheese, you know, then go with that. You know, and if the people love it, then just keep it. Um, or, you know, if you really are convinced that this is the case and, you know, maybe people don't love it at first, but they, they change their mind, go with that. But I would say if you, you know, if you have some local cheese and it's, you know, of dubious quality and, uh, you know, not every place is going to have good cheese, I guess that's, that's for sure. Um, and, uh, as sad as it may seem just because it's local may not mean that it tastes, you know, the best, but who, who knows? I don't know. This is a... This is a pretty interesting question. I'm gonna think. I'm gonna think. I'm gonna have to think about. And, and like I said, we can sort of see what the audience think and do a follow-up segment in a future episode. Yeah, for sure. I uh, I think any questions asked will definitely be answered in one capacity or another. So, are you have you watched the series Chef's Table at all? I have seen some episodes so I'm I don't know why I haven't seen all of them I but I've seen like I would say a good 60% did you see the Argentinian chef that was one of the ones I did not watch okay but <laughs> yeah all right so I'm gonna just go over one that one episode and again I'm sure we should have like a uh, a counter every time we reference chef's table because I imagine Do it's gonna be quite often for me Anyways, do do we need to have like spoiler alerts for Chef's Table? I don't, I don't know. know if that's... <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. It's not like Game of Thrones or something. I think it's like you're not really gonna get spoiled. That's not the point of the the show. Go ahead. So with Argentina, I I've heard some things about it. So all I know is like he cooks with fire and he cooks he gets. Oh people no! Okay, week. sorry. No, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of the Peruvian chef. Sorry. In the most recent season. I'm forgetting his name, which is bad, but essentially, his whole thing is that the entire menu is divided by altitude, so each dish only contains ingredients 
from one region and one altitude. And personally, I think he he pushes the sort of locavore type concept a little too far. How oh, so? Like, what what do you mean by this? I, I haven't seen the episode, so like, what is he doing? It's like really crazy. Well, again, literally every dish is like, okay, these ingredients are from this altitude, so the the, the dish only contains ingredients from this one region. I I think you know with this kind of stuff as well, it's like you're. It, it, I mean, this is I guess part of of being a chef and really and having a restaurant is the kind of gimmicks that you try to sell people when you're serving them food the kind of environment that you're trying to create i think for sure this guy must be going for something like that i mean but i mean it doesn't necessarily ensure that the food is like you know the best quality ingredients just because they come from your region or just because they come from a certain altitude i don't know it does seem a little gimmicky to me uh, uh virgilio martinez from Lima, cool. Peru. That, that's okay. the chef. But, I... again, there was one moment in the episode, I forget the exact wording, so I'm paraphrasing, but I think the critic said that sometimes a dish won't necessarily even taste very good, but conceptually, it is amazing, and I feel like yeah. That's, okay, then at that that's point, when yeah. that's when you're up your own ass a bit. Yeah, I I kind of agree with this. Now I think the idea is definitely cool, but I think that there's other ways. It's to It's a cool movie. concept, but For I think sure. you can still explore the concept without making the food not as delicious as possible yeah i mean if you're i i would say that this goes for anything and this is just in life <laughs> if there's no substance behind the gimmick then it's not really uh you know it's not really there now i totally agree if you have some amazing food and you found some local small ingredient some some i don't know some cherries or something that are special to your region and you know you know that people would never eat these Otherwise, they would just say, I don't know what that is. I'm not familiar. I don't care. Um, if you can somehow put a gimmick out there and get people saying, okay, yeah, I want to try this special local cherry that I never would have otherwise. If you can get them to do this and it's enjoyable and people love it and they get to experience new things, that's a that's an amazing thing. But if you're just, if you're setting out saying, look, I just want the attention and you don't put the substance behind it, then that's a little, I don't know, shady for sure. Now, also trying to uh, put a square peg in a round hole of, you know, maybe you don't have the proper ingredients for your gimmick idea. And you don't, you know, and then if you just start stretching it like this guy, like it sounds like in this episode, that's no bueno. Yeah, like again, um, another show I'll probably reference a lot is um, Mind of a Chef. Okay, I've never seen this. <laughs> you've never seen Mind of a Chef? No, I have not, no. Okay, it's on Netflix. <laughs> That's your, okay. that's, your, that's your homework. <laughs> I I think it's not on the German Netflix. It's really uh, sad. We don't get as much as... Yeah, we don't get... As well, much I can uh, I can get you a copy of a, a back of a truck, if you know what I mean. Of a back of a truck. <laughs> okay. I think I might I might look for it afterwards. Uh, I speaking might, of sure. which, 
maybe a story for another episode. I've legitimately gotten actual things off the back of a truck, and it's really weird, but I'll, I'll get into that later. <laughs> Did you get a truck off of the back of a truck? No, it's... <laughs> it's just... Well, the, the, whatever episode we, we talk about it, okay. that in uh, will be called Mystery Meat. Let's just... Oh. Let's leave it there. Okay. Alright, I think we, we can have a whole episode about Mystery Meat, too. I have some stories. <laughs> oh, uh, okay. That's, that's definitely happening. Um, anyways. But one of the seasons of Mind or Chef is about a chef named uh, David Kinch. It's very sort of... more of a higher-end restaurant in California. And he does a lot of local-based dishes. But I love... One of the things, he's explaining a dish, it's the appetizer that everyone at the restaurant starts with. It's a ravioli. Um, I mean, it's, you know, it's a ravioli. And, like, the filling is local, the dough is local, it's garnished with a bunch of local herbs and stuff. But then he's like, and I put Parmesan on it, because I want to. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, then, that's that's cool. Compromise, you know, compromise. It doesn't hurt anybody, you know. <laughs> I like that. Best of both worlds. I mean, I I think this is this is something to be said too. I mean, okay, there's obviously something for the small indie people. If you feel like you can make Parmesan cheese and, uh, you know, you want to start up a small batch of Parmesan cheese making, for example, like, by all means, go for it. I'm curious. But, you know, you have really big shoes to fill if you're going to try to, you know, compete with Parmigiano-Reggiano. Yeah, and I guess, alright, what do you know of, or what's, do you have any experience with, ugh, for lack of a better word, molecular gastronomy or modern cooking? I would say, I so, I... I don't know why. I don't really... The, the terminology doesn't really bother me for molecular gastronomy. It, I know it definitely bothers some people. Well, I, know, I, I guess... Do you know why it bothers some people? I... I can only look at this from the science perspective, which is that, like, you know, there's more than just molecules that work here. There's No, like, I, know, I, I can actually tell you the reason. Yeah? Because molecular gastronomy is technically the name of the science of studying food. Uh, okay. But okay. people use it to describe a cooking style. Yeah. Whereas I more mean... appropriately, it would be basically modern cooking is the cooking style. And then what influences it is molecular gastronomy, which is the actual study of cooking. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, um, then, yeah, I can, I can, I guess I can see how this could piss people off and get pretty confusing. I think, so, I've seen, now, a lot of times it's just referred to as food science. Maybe people have strayed away from using molecular gastronomy because it's been so popularly, you know, activated with, you know, the common culture, this common psyche. Um, but anyways, it's, uh, going back to molecular gastronomy... I am very much in love with this this idea and concept of cooking. Now, specifically, I've actually never really been to a molecular gastronomy restaurant, and that's like on my bucket list of like, if I only had like five hundred euros to spend, 
on a meal, I definitely would. Um, but, you know, I mean, there are some places that do it cheaper, but I think for the most part, if you want a really good, like, molecular gastronomy experience, you kind of have to go for those Michelin star places. I don't know. I've never even been to a Michelin star restaurant, so. <laughs> but going back to the topic, I love the idea behind it. I love the idea of messing around with, with food. And some people really have issues with the idea of using weird chemicals, but, I mean, I do sometimes drink, you know, a Coca-Cola, and sometimes I look at the back and I don't know what's in this. Um, but the idea, for example, of, you know, using, um, like, soy lecithin to make foams and, and kind of thinking about, you know, what, how can we use science and how can we combine this stuff, that stuff just really, uh, that really makes my heart happy. Um, but it can also be quite gimmicky, I think. So what's your, what's your opinion on this? I think we are, we are pretty much in the same boat. You know, I yeah, do have a little, I... a little section of my pantry that is stuff I ordered from Modernist Pantry, which is a bunch of literal chemicals um, <laughs> that I've played around with and stuff. And again, it is very fun. It is very interesting. Again, but I think from what I've seen, again, this is only going off of sort of videos. Again, I, I have not been to really a restaurant like that either. I feel like most places don't really do it right. They what do, you mean do by that? They do it in the gimmicky way. It's I, like, oh, let's it, make a sphere of something just because we can. I think for sure that's the case nowadays. I would say that if we were 10 years ago and for the first time I had seen, if I was at a restaurant and I never heard of spherification and I, and I then got to experience that I, I would be my, my mind would be blown and I think that like at the time like that was an amazing thing I think now the problem is that it's a dime a dozen so it's kind of one of these like one one trick ponies that has been done quite a bit um, I would say specifically for spherification I mean I've I've got the ingredients for this stuff and I've done it like twice and at some point you start to realize like I'm not creative enough to come up with something that's mind-blowing. What, what did you scare for? <laughs> uh, coconut milk uh, once, which was, it was pretty good. It was really nice, and I had it with some pineapple and stuff. And then I did some ch um, chocolate spheres as well some other time. Can, um, I, can I brag a little about what I did? Yes, yes, go ahead. <laughs> I, uh, I had a little dinner party with some friends. Yeah. And I made a spherified caprese salad. Okay. So I did a, but they made a, a thin tomato puree that I kicked up a little bit with a little sugar, a little salt, and then some homemade tomato vinegar to make okay. it like really intense. Okay. So was I this sphere, in the sphere or okay? Yeah, that was okay, that was the the liquid that I then spherified. Okay. And then on the spoon was a mozzarella mousse. With pepper, okay. and All then right, a basil-infused salt. Ah. That seems like a pretty awesome way of using spherification. Like I said, I'm not creative enough. I, wa I, I have issues sometimes with my creativity, and I think spherification is one of these blocks. But I think you have the right idea for sure, because I would definitely eat that, and I definitely would find that pretty awesome. Uh, uh, can, I, can I take it one step further? You may. Okay, I'm just spoiling spoiling this a little bit because the idea still needs development but it did work 
So, what I did was I took egg yolks, I beat them, I actually added cocoa powder, Okay. and then I spherified the egg yolk mixture. Okay. And then I put the spherified chocolate egg yolk back into egg whites and poached it. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So it looked like a poached egg, and then you cut into it, and it was chocolate. Ah, oh, that seems pretty awesome, actually. I definitely would eat that. <laughs> so Especially yeah, if was, uh, there's still some yeah. uh, still some kinks to work out. Some tweaking. Okay. Did you did you sweeten the egg yolk as well, or no. just just cocoa butter? Just okay. cocoa butter. Cocoa okay, powder. Fair enough. Fair enough. Huh. Cool. I mean, yeah, I I think that, uh, alright, so maybe I'm wrong about the uh, extent to which uh, spherification can blow my mind, because it's two counterexamples here, but um, I definitely think that with some of these, uh, it's been overdone. Now, I think that there's still some chefs that are really now trying to skirt this border of local and still use the techniques for spherification, or sorry, for a modernist cuisine, but um, I don't know, I mean... Do you think you really think that all of them are gimmicky, or you know? Uh, yeah, I think from what I hear, what I have seen, I think a lot of, especially sort of the mid-tier restaurants that dabble in modern cooking, are doing it in a gimmicky way. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I, I, for example, was just looking into traveling somewhere. Um, I'm sorry, if you can't tell, I fucking love traveling. <laughs> uh, and so one of the things was that we were looking at, I was looking with my girlfriend, and we were looking at, um, uh, we're trying to go to Mumbai, and we were looking at restaurants there, and there was a lot of people trying to cash in on this idea of, like, modernist cuisine, and it's really kind of a sad thing. There was some restaurant that I saw an advertisement for, and you know, they're doing this modernist cuisine stuff, but the restaurant quality looked like really bad. I don't know. I know for sure that there are great modernist restaurants in Mumbai. I've heard from friends that there's just some awesome places, but you're right. This like mid-level kind of, let's just do it because this is, you know, uh, this is kind of cool and we can make money off of it. That's kind of a, that's, I don't really feel like that's what modernist cuisine is about. It's more about impressing people and, like, making them think about the science behind what they eat. I don't know. That's my personal opinion, but... Yeah, I don't even think it's about necessarily making people interested in the science. Again, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna reference a lot of shows, if you can't guess. But, uh, Anthony Bourdain's old show, No Reservations, like... Every once in a while, I'll rewatch the episode he did at El Bulli. Okay. The former I'm best, <laughs> the, form, the formerly open best restaurant in the world. And basically, Farron Adria and his brother and the El Bulli team almost single-handedly started modern cooking. Yeah, they did. <laughs> like, they uh, invented most of the techniques that other modernist gastropubs use. What do they say? The imi uh, imitation is the highest form of flattery, though. I mean, you know that these guys did something amazing if... Uh, 
I mean, of course, they don't have the patents on the, you know, on the idea. They don't have the... It's cool they came up with this. And, of course, people have the right to, to make this stuff. But it is kind of a little sad when you see this and uh, not done in the way that it was initially. You know, it's it's like watching a, a bad reproduction of a really amazing play. But, again, okay, I'll never... Kind of, if you can find a copy of The Back of a Truck or reruns somewhere, actually... His old show might be on Netflix, depending on where you are. But uh, something Farron Audria said is that no matter what style of cooking you're doing, you're still in the pleasure business, right? Like, yeah, that's, that's true. That's the point. I mean, I think even for the people cooking, I mean, honestly, if I think about why I cook what I cook, I, some it's, I would say half of it about, like, the fact that I like, I enjoy the actual process and I think like thinking about it. But the main reason I cook, and I'm sure maybe also this is something, you know, that you feel as well, is that you like having other people enjoy something that they might not have. And so it kind of becomes this cool competition of how can I, like, create something that for my friends or my loved ones or whatever that they've maybe never would have thought about eating or, or going, you know, trying this avenue. And, and, you know, and cooking for them. And, you know, it, it definitely puts a black stain on something if you make something and, you know, they don't, your your guests don't enjoy it. Then, of course, that's like, you know, it takes away from it. So, of course, uh, I agree with this, that it's, it is a pleasure business, even for the people cooking. Exactly. So, again, whether you're a restaurant or you're someone cooking, those modernist scientific tools are great, but always use them to make really good food. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> you know, yeah, the, I, that's the old thing. Don't, like, lose the forest for the trees. Oh. Yeah. For sure. And I think that that's definitely something with, uh, with the modernist cuisine. Do you have any other food hypes you want to talk about? There is one. I guess it's pretty much a trend that has fallen out of favor. But I want to get your opinion, because I might have an interesting one. What do you feel about fusions? Like, if a restaurant is like, we're French and Japanese, or we're Indian and Scandinavian, or whatever. Ah, uh, that's a good question. I think there's some interesting things going on here with this, though. I would say, first off, most of the food that we must eat in some way is a fusion, even when you think that you're eating Chinese food. It blows my mind, actually, if you go and eat Chinese food in the U.S., or even just go to the U.S. and eat Chinese food and go to Canada and eat Chinese food, they're completely different. And if you go to Germany, Chinese food is different. If you go to, you know, any other part of the world, you know, I've also been in England, I've had Chinese food. Every single place, it tastes different. And I'm sure that real Chinese food is completely different in China. I, so, I, 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 guess, yeah. I guess to clarify, what do you think of a dish or a restaurant that is intentionally remashed this up with this up? So I am a 100% fan of breaking the rules. So for me, I think as long as you do it well and it tastes good, no, no foul. I, I, I don't like the idea of like this food has to stay in this, you know, in this culture. Or in this cuisine, of course, culturally food is important, but I I'm not such a big I I don't see such a problem with with fusions as long as it's done right. You know, if you're just doing it as a gimmick again, it's like what we talked about earlier. 
Yeah, then it's a problem. But I would say, for example, if you make sushi with chocolate in it, I'd eat it. I don't know. How do you feel? Yeah. <laughs> do you must have a, do you have a different opinion, or? No, I was I was hoping because yeah, I feel like it's really again based on shows and things I hear. A lot of chefs or a lot of food people are just like, Ugh, they're a little hesitant of direct fusion. Okay. And I love it. I really love it. I like unironically want to mash up like mapo tofu with bolognese. Yeah. Like that would be awesome. Yeah. I would eat that in a heartbeat. Actually, that sounds pretty good. Like, yeah, I think <laughs> you should are, make that for a video. Uh, oh, I, I plan to. Like, yeah, okay. I think there are certain cuisines and certain specific dishes that you can literally try and put them together, and they make something really interesting. I I wholeheartedly concur in this. I think for me, part partly as well. Going back to what I said earlier, it was just about the the rebelness of this. This idea that no tofu has to stay in, you know, in this culture or, you know, bolognese is this has to be, you know, from this part of Italy, you know, or whatever. That's I, food shouldn't be about rules. I don't know. Maybe I'm a little bit of a food anarchist. I don't know. But I think if you as long as you do a good job, your food tastes good and you you, you expand my mind a little bit. I am going to be really happy with you. So I don't know. I guess the real message of the show is that no matter what you're doing, you can do it in a gimmicky, bad way, or you can make good food. Ah, I, I don't know if we have time, but I thought of a, another food trend. I actually did think of one food trend that I do know right now that's going on that's super popular. Okay, tell me. Tell which is food trucks. Ooh. I, I feel like that that has been a huge thing. Now, I... I'm, not that old, but I do remember about 10 years ago, I was in Portland. And Portland is one of these cities that, like, I guess since the dawn of time has had food trucks. <clears throat> and I remember experiencing this for the first time where you go and you just, like, you know, see this and you just go and there's, like, you can get an appetizer that's, you know, Italian and you can get a, you know, some Thai main dish and you can get dessert that's, you know, from Sri Lanka or whatever. That idea was so cool to me, and um, and to some extent as well. We had this when I was living. I lived in Arizona for a while, and there's the all infamous um, taco truck, which is like an amazing concept. You know, they would just open at a club in the afternoon. People, or sorry, at, you know, as the club was closing, and people, you could just directly get food. Um, those great, awesome, and I I love how that stuff. These kind of original ideas. I personally feel like a lot of the food trucks. Maybe it's just the area that I'm living in. A lot of the food trucks are just, you can tell that they're just doing this because they want to be a food truck. It, I don't know. It sounds super, like, cocky to say that. But I, I've had, I will say, I've had some amazing food from a food truck. Um, I even had food from restaurants in the local restaurants here that have had their own food trucks. And the food doesn't taste quite as good just because you know what it's supposed to taste like. And then you, you try the food truck stuff and you're like, you guys are, you know, obviously sweating this out and having a terrible time back there but um i don't know i mean is it as big in canada right now as it is here uh i think probably in the big cities yeah or where i live not so much okay fair enough um i think it's really huge so in in germany specifically it's become really a big deal 
I don't in the past two years it's weird um and one of the things about this is that um they have these food trucks just drive around the country and they just drive up to these they have food truck festivals and uh, there's a main train station for example and that's kind of like the center of the city and um we just had one a few a few weeks ago and there's a joke about this because like um you have to keep in mind that for some things in germany um like as far as food things go the culture the the, the general country is maybe about you know 10 years behind the u.s so for example right now um pulled pork is huge like it's like as big as you can possibly get pulled pork is like king here right now and it's kind of funny that like this you know i grew up eating pulled pork it's completely normal to me but you know it's really big burritos are also becoming really big burgers are just now waning but now going back to the pulled pork it was funny because i remember the first food truck festival there was you know a good smattering of restaurants from all over the place there was even you know peruvian places and you know um there was you know indian food and there was italian food and there was just basically you know a good mixing of everything and you could see that when the food truck festival first opened there were some restaurants that had pulled pork sandwiches and these places were just completely selling out and they were out they were definitely outpacing all of their competition so the next day i go to this this festival again and every single one of these uh food trucks has now incorporated pulled pork somehow into the menu you had oh. pulled pork you had non with pulled pork in it you had uh you know some uh this peruvian um tapioca uh taco thing with pulled pork you even had like italian pasta with pulled pork in it and i think this is one of those scenarios where it's kind of a gimmick like you have right okay. <laughs> you have like yeah so it let's, is interesting. Let, let's yeah. end with yeah. a hypothetical yeah let's say you have a restaurant you have a food truck. You have some sort of business. Yes. And you have your own style, whatever that is. Okay. But then a big trend comes in. Like pulled yeah. pork or something. Like a specific dish or a specific ingredient that doesn't necessarily mesh with your style. And let's say, just for the sake of the hypothetical... You're doing okay as a business, but you could be doing better. Do you jump on the trend? Oh, this is tough. This is a really good question. I mean, on one hand, you got to think like a business person. And you got to think like, hey, look. Um, so the question is, yeah. what's your integrity worth? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess that's really that's really the case. I mean, I don't know. I would say that it really has to depend on what the trend was in how aligned my stuff was. Oh, okay. Let's say, yeah. what style of cooking do you like? Alright, let's say that I have a Thai food truck. Okay, you have a Thai I'm food looking. truck. Yeah. And you're in America. Yes. And it's fall. Okay. Do you make something with pumpkin spice? <laughs> um, actually... Only because I could think of something right off the top of my head. But otherwise, I get your point here. Now, I would say that if it was completely not fitting and I couldn't think of anything that would work with it, if I was really having to swing for the fences, it's not worth it, I would say. I mean, you, you, you do have somewhat of a reputation to protect. 
But in this specific case, I thought of it would be amazing to make, um, because pumpkin spice is mostly these um, spices that are in some uh, Thai dishes, specifically masaman curry. And I've made masaman curry with pumpkin in it before, and it's freaking amazing. So I will say that I would totally make a pumpkin spice curry. <laughs> and maybe like, you know, I don't know, that would be controversial, but I could totally see myself doing that. <laughs> yeah, but I get your point. And I definitely think, for example, if it was, I don't know, something else, fidget spinners. Do you, do I put a fidget spinner in my, in my Thai dish? I wouldn't do it. So <laughs> I would make the best goddamn spiced roasted pumpkin pizza you've ever had really yeah oh, i mean yeah. i that's the thing if you can somehow like showmanshiply one up the other you know the competition if you don't just take pulled pork and just put it on your, Plus, in your pasta and you say, can totally you know, take the piss you can totally yeah. make fun of it and be like oh yeah we got a pumpkin spice pizza or a pumpkin spice curry whatever yeah that's, yeah, if you can do it well, I think this, I mean, we said this multiple times, if you can do it well, then great. If you have to sell yourself short, then it's not worth it. You know, don't just put pulled pork on a pasta and say that this is pulled pork pasta. It's not going to taste good. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Uh, yeah, again, I think so too. Uh, please let us know in the comments what you think of all this. And again, maybe by the time this is up, we have a Patreon that you can check out. We should probably start mentioning that before the very end. Yeah, before everybody's like, God, these guys are assholes, and then clicks off. <laughs> yeah, no, so I'm just kidding. if you're still with us, uh, yes. <laughs> why? Also, uh, check out the Patreon that goes to support this podcast, and yes. also our food YouTube channels. Yes, they, they, but we're splitting the money so that we can actually yeah, support ourselves as well. So any, if you like both of us, then you can, you know, kill two birds in one stone. So I mean, as you can still donate even if you only like one of us. Yeah, but just put in there who, who you're giving it to. Yeah. <laughs> okay, By yeah. the way, both of our names are Logan, so just so you know. <laughs> All right, yes. Um, so I guess we'll, we'll close it up this time and then... We'll have an episode out soon, or I guess we'll do another one soon. Yeah, maybe next time we should do uh, Mystery Meat Stories. <laughs>